0: Amen. Take your copy of God's Word this morning. Open it to Matthew chapter 1, if you would. Matthew chapter 1. We're continuing in that first chapter of what we started with last week. We read about the genealogy of Christ and how Jesus comes through imperfect human beings like me, like you and me, in order to fulfill the greatest gift of all, that God became a man so that we might have life. And in verse 18, we see how that plays out in the time and place of Bethlehem of Judea threw Joseph out of that line. Look with me in chapter one in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The birth of Jesus Christ translated the birth of Jesus of God. Just think about the enormity of that phrase, that God himself became man. Because not only is Jesus the son of David, as we talked about last week, not only is he the son of Abraham from the promised line, from whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed, he is also the very son of God, or better yet, God the son. And the scripture tells us that Mary was engaged to Joseph legally pledged to be married. And in Jewish culture, engagement had a much more serious commitment and connotation than today's culture. If you get engaged today, you can sometimes get out of that. But in Jerusalem and in Israelite times to get out of engagement would be almost the equivalent of a divorce today. And the Bible says before they came together, they honored the Lord with their bodies. She was found to be with child. That which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about what Mary's been through during this time. She spent the last three months with Elizabeth, her cousin. Now she returns to Nazareth where she was found to be with child. Would have been four months pregnant at that time. She'll so remember her cousin Elizabeth had just become pregnant with John the Baptist. Zachariah the priest had been there in the temple on his one day in his lifetime when he was able to go in. The angel had come and said, "You're going to have a son." It's the similar play to Abraham and Sarah. Zachariah doesn't believe it. He laughs in his heart, and God shuts his mouth for the duration of that pregnancy. And when he finally opens it again, Zachariah honors the Lord and John the Baptist. There he is, out there in the wilderness, out there in the Jordan River proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is at hand and here is his cousin Jesus coming along and Mary first finds out about it from the angel. I want you to imagine as we consider this scene as we've heard it no doubt so many times what must have gone through Joseph's mind when he finds out the girl to whom he is betrothed the one to whom he is to be married his future spouse is pregnant, and he knows for sure he is not the father. So Joseph initially thinks that Mary has committed adultery, and with good reason. I mean, think about this. Would you believe your spouse to be, if they came along and said, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant. I'm with child, but don't worry. It doesn't belong to anyone else. It's straight from the Holy Spirit. I mean, who in their bright mind, if they hadn't heard the story, would believe that? And Joseph did not. It's like, hey honey, it's not, it's not really what it looks like to be. And you just told me that you're pregnant. And yet being a just man, as Joseph was, unwilling to put her to shame, resolves to divorce her quietly. King James says put her away, but it's, it's divorce. And Joseph seeks to honor God regardless of his circumstances. You know, in Old Testament culture, he could have stoned his wife to be for being pregnant, and yet that's not what he does. He's concerned with both obedience and compassion. He doesn't want to set her up to be the Hester Prynne of Nazareth, condemned to wear the scarlet letter for the rest of her life. And the Bible says, As he considered these things, behold, hark, look, listen, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, because that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. See, the only way that you're ever going to be able to truly understand the purpose of Jesus coming is through the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of people that know the Christmas story that don't know Jesus, What's the difference? The Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts, drawing us to the place of Jesus. You know, here's what Joseph has to determine. He doesn't have to determine whether or not he wants a baby. He doesn't have to determine whether or not he wants to keep Mary. He doesn't have to determine whether or not he wants to save his reputation. All he has to determine is whether or not he trusts the sender, whether it's a curse of man or a gift from God. Because, see, if it comes from man, he's on his own. But if it comes from God, everything's going to be all right. And that's what he determines in in that point. He, He trusts that unlike Amazon and unlike UPS and unlike the postal service, God's delivery is always right on time. Joseph and Mary's marriage is transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes from mistrusting his future spouse to trusting in the work of God. Some of you that struggle with your, with your marriage, you struggle with your relationships, you're constantly worried, what is, what is my spouse doing? What is my significant other doing? What are my kids doing? And it's important to be vigilant, of course, and to keep one another accountable. But the most important thing is, do you trust that the Lord is working in your life? Do you trust that he is working all things together for good in spite and especially because of you can't see how it's going to turn out. That's what Joseph has to do. He can't determine the end story. He doesn't know exactly what's going to happen. All he knows is that God said, Joseph, Mary is going to have a son, and you need to take her as your wife, and you need to call his name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. So often what we want is the end script, and we don't get it we just get the next step because god is teaching us to trust him he gives his future marriage to God she will bear a son you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins and notice the fulfillment of prophecy this is the greatest part of the Christmas story all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which interpreted is God with us this is what Jesus will later say in the sermon on the Mount that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How do they see God? They've seen God in the flesh. He's standing right in front of them. You know, I don't know how you like to describe it, those of you that are employers and and have employees, or those of you that have worked with with staff members in church or, or faculty in school. Sometimes someone will say, well, this person works for me. I've never liked saying that. I don't think that sounds quite right. Maybe there's nothing wrong with it. Just doesn't quite sit right with me. I like to say this person works with me or alongside of me. And isn't it interesting how the Lord seems to use similar language here. He doesn't talk about God being above us, out of reach. Doesn't talk about God being beyond us, out of touch. He says God with us. He steps into this with humanity, not just for you as father, but with you as son, not just with you, but in you through the spirit. That's why the kingdom of God can't be destroyed, because it doesn't have walls. It is within you. And when Joseph awoke from his sleep and his dream, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He obeyed. He responded in faith. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And many of us may not realize this, but Joseph is likely a young man, maybe even a teenager, who is committed to righteousness. I want you to think about the unlikeliness of it all. Some people would say that Joseph, he's just a dreamer, dreams all the time, always trying to put a positive spin on things, Somebody says to him, Joseph, you need to get a grip on reality. I mean, can you imagine what the gossip columnists and social media influencers of today would have written or would have said about it? You think about this everybody's got a son or a daughter who's going to be a future professional athlete or he's going to be an entertainer. So my son's going to be the athlete. My son's going to be the entertainer. My son's going to be president. Joseph, what's your boy going to do? He's going to save humanity, all of Adam's race. And that's a nice bumper sticker to put on the back of your car. The absurdity of it all. Here is Mary and Joseph here in the service. And you say to them, Mary and Joseph, we've got a cry room for baby Jesus if you want one. I mean, this is, this is just nuts. All of these years, all of these prophecies, all of this waiting, and nobody got this one right other than God. Nothing in fiction, J.I. Packer says, is so fantastic as is the truth of the incarnation that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory glory as of the only begotten son of god full of grace and truth think about this the word became flesh god became man and he bleeds and he sleeps and he cries This morning during our Sunday school hour, I got to hold precious new baby, Ashlyn Moore. And I want you all to know I was a professional at it. I mean, I had it set out just right. I was rocking that baby, put her right to sleep just like I would in a sermon. And then just a couple of minutes later, I noticed there was a smell coming from the baby. She was so comfortable that she left a gift in the diaper on my behalf. Baby Jesus would have done the exact same thing to Joseph and Mary, that Jesus doesn't identify as something out there. He knows what it is to be a human being. He knows what it is to suffer. He knows what it is to experience pain. And he does it all without sin. The God who created space and time, inner space and time, the God who is beyond and above humanity, becomes a human being. He laid aside his divine glory and dignity, which he shared with the Father, Before the world began to save his people, not from their government oppression, not from their tax status or their financial predicament, but from their sins. Somebody put it this way, despite our efforts to keep him out, God intrudes. The life of Jesus is bracketed by two impossibilities, a virgin's womb and an empty tomb. Jesus entered our world through a door marked no entrance, and he left it through a door marked no exit. The God who could have been welcomed by a resounding choir of 10,000 angels is instead greeted by the bellows and neighing of farm animals. Yet that's exactly how he wants it. To identify, not as one of them, not with the wealthy and powerful, but as one of us. He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become his righteousness. He in whom all the fullness of the Godhead dwelled emptied himself and took on hell. There's a popular song that came out a number of years ago around Christmas time. These are the lyrics to it. How many kings stepped down from their thrones? How many lords have abandoned their homes? How many greats have become the least for me? How many gods have poured out their hearts to love a world that is torn all apart? How many fathers gave up their sons for me? The only alien encounter, I know some of us are conspiracy theorists, I am too sometimes, but the only alien encounter that history ever records doesn't happen in Area 51, but in somebody's barn in a forgotten village. Jesus becomes one of us. They talked about a priest who went to serve in a camp filled with leprosy in Hawaii a number of years ago. His name was Father Damien. This camp had been quarantined to serve as a leper colony. You know, leprosy is highly contagious. And he lived in their midst for 16 years. He learned how to speak their language. He bandaged their wounds. He embraced the bodies no one else would touch. He preached to hearts that would otherwise have been left alone. He organized schools and bands and choirs. He built homes so that the lepers could have shelter. It's said he built 2,000 coffins by hand so that when they died, they could be buried with dignity. And slowly it was said this colony in Hawaii became a place to live rather than a place to die for this pastor offered them hope. They said what was unusual about him, especially if you think about this nowadays in a post-COVID environment where everybody's concerned about getting sick, they said he wasn't careful about keeping his distance He did nothing to separate himself from his people. He dipped his fingers in the bowl along with the patients. He shared his pipe. He didn't always wash his hands. After bandaging sores, he got close, and for this the people loved him. And they said one day he stood up and began his sermon with two words. We lepers. He wasn't just helping them. Now he was one of them from this day forward, he wasn't just on their island. He was in their skin. He had chosen to live as they lived. Now he would die as they died because they were in it together. The only God who ever does that is Jesus Christ the Lord. He takes on all the guilt, all the wrath, all the suffering that you and I deserve, and he nails it down at the cross. It's buried with him. I want you to think about this from the storyline of the Scarlet Thread all throughout Scripture in Genesis, there's a serpent who slithers into a perfect world, begins lying. He erodes his foundation. And in Revelation, he's grown into a dragon. His power and dominion are far more menacing. He fumes and he rages and he casts down stars from the sky. But he's still doomed. And listen to this. The first attack against him isn't marked by the shout of a warrior. It isn't marked by the flash of swords or the thunder of cannons. It is marked by the cra- of a baby because only God could make it happen. You want to know whether or not Christianity is true? Just think about this. Nobody else in human history would ever be clever enough to make this up. It's too foolish to make up on your own. But the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men, that God might become a man and we might trust in him. What does that mean for us today? Jesus gave his all for us. We should give our all for him and for others that he came to save. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, I pray right now that you would help us to understand the all-important theme of this passage. Lord, we don't have to know every step that is ahead of us. We, We just have to know the next step. Father, so often what we're trying to do is align the stars when you have sent a star to show us the way to go. Lord, in fact, you are the very maker of the stars over all creation. You are teaching us every day to trust in you. And so, Lord, my prayer is for someone here today that's just seeking to navigate through life and wondering about some serious decisions they've got to make, maybe some consequences of those decisions that they didn't realize, I pray that you would help them to know right now that there is nothing in their lives that can't be redeemed because of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that in the midst of all this that someone here would truly understand the Christmas story maybe for the very first time. Not just the story that's been passed down but the one that becomes personal when we realize that God himself became a man on our behalf. Lord, that he is one of us. Lord. I pray that we would trust in you and in the son whom you have sent. God, let us be willing to do your will, whatever the cost. Lord, thank you for the example of Joseph. Thank you for the example of Mary. Thank you most of all for Jesus who came to save us from their sin, from our sins. Lord, let us not take this Christmas season for granted. Help us, Lord, to look at others the same way you have looked at us.